0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Prevention Nation, where we believe education and awareness can change the culture of violence. I'm your host, Roy Lutz. Welcome to Prevention Nation. This is Roy, and I'm here with my uh, my guest, uh, Brandon Thompson. Uh, Brandon, you want to say hi? And what? and uh, Where do you work and what's your title?
1: Okay. Yeah. Hey, Roy. Good to see you again. Um, so I'm Brandon Thompson. Uh, I'm the outreach coordinator for the Survivor Advocacy Outreach Program. Uh, we're based in southeast Ohio, so our offices are in Athens, Ohio, uh, but we serve nine counties over here. So Vinton, Megs, uh Gallia, um, Hawking, uh, Jackson, and a number of others as well. We've, we just added Jackson um, and yeah so we're, we're an organization that believes uh, people should live a life free of sexual violence so um, we're not a shelter so we don't uh, provide housing here but we connect uh, survivors of sexual violence and domestic violence to resources you know so uh if they need you know travel to, if trying to escape a, a dangerous situation if they need a CPO to get away from somebody, uh, if they need travel into another place, or just you know finding uh, connection to other housing and things like that, so um, so my role here is actually to support the advocates who work in the counties, um, doing social media um you know setting up trainings um i do some trainings so i do um some trainings on healthy and unhealthy masculinity um i do trainings on anti-human trafficking and some of the high schools and stuff like that and then i also uh, help facilitate the anti-racism class at one of the high schools here in town so really there's a lot of prevention work that i do but also just trying to um i don't do much direct uh service work here but i you know work with the team in that space so
0: you don't do a lot of direct service like you, you don't find yourself in classrooms teaching directly to
1: people or... um well I, I guess to say, when I say I don't do direct service, I mean, like, I'm not um, working with people in crisis, you know, stuff like that. Right. So, so, uh, but I am directly facing, you know, I, I just did a, um, a six-week program with Tri-County, I did two groups of um, juniors and seniors on anti-human trafficking, you know, so I've done that. And then, um, so yeah, I guess I should say I am direct-facing as far as working with, you know, the the public. And prevention, yeah. You know, I, I, don't, I don't run the hotline and stuff like that, you know, I guess yeah. that's what I, I'm saying, yeah. But yeah, definitely... <laughs> work with a lot of people as you know we, we work with home and, and stuff like that right. just trying to do projects and stuff like that so but yeah i i do not uh staff the hotline but i try and support the team that does that and so you know in those meetings and trying to work through and you know we were just in jackson uh ohio um yesterday trying to meet with their um uh overdose no, me, not overdose substance abuse um excuse me they just changed it to substance use um uh program that they have over there and, you know just trying to basically get connected with those people you know a lot of people don't realize. People who are, you know, dealing with drugs or, or abusing drugs are probably also, you know, um, a survivor of human trafficking or sexual abuse or something mm-hmm. like that. So trying to we- uh, weave all that together. So We
0: do that as well. We do a lot of work with our Substance Abuse Prevention Coalition, mm-hmm. Suicide Prevention. I mean, all of us. We're all we're all partners in it. We're all working with the same people, same populations. So
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely, it's one of those, it's, you know, it's it's almost cliche. It's like, oh, we want to work with everybody, but it is really true. Like, you know, mm-hmm. all those intersections you're talking about, like, you know, cause we, we have a, our, our main thing and I'll say this right now, we have a 24 hour hotline. It's uh 740-591-4266 that if, you know, if you listen to my voice and you're in Southeast Ohio, um, and you don't listen to anything else. Just remember the hotline. That's the one thing I always say. Like you know, if if you can't remember, even if you want to know, like who's that guy that was on Roy's po- podcast, you can call that hotline number. And they're like, oh, it's probably Brandon, the outreach coordinator, or something like that. It's it's not a it's not a nine one one number where people call and you feel silly for you know calling for certain things. It's right. for anything, you know. And the thing I'll I'll really mention because uh, I'm a I'm a big proponent of this. And this is a term I did not know until I started doing this work is uh, co-survivors. You know, you, you and I have mm-hmm. talked about the, the the calls we've been on, uh, but people who are listening, or excuse me, the people are holding the stories of abuse from somebody else. You know, people, there's not there wasn't really a term for that. In my, I mean, there probably was, but I wasn't hearing it. We've always right. focused on the person who has the abuse, but we don't realize that people when someone shares a story with you, that and you can't tell anybody because maybe you're you're connected with other people, or you just feel helpless because you can't fix it, you know, mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, so that that number is there as well. Um, we're not, so I will say we are not counselors, so but we can connect yeah. you with. Bouncers, but if you just need to work through something, you know, um, that's definitely what our hotline is for. You people can call and be like, I'm just feeling this way. I don't really know. Did I do the right thing when I, you know, talked to this friend about this? We can talk to you about, hey, you know what? That must be really hard you know yeah had to, you know, just be having to, uh, someone who is he's confidential and completely um anonymous you know if they need to so absolutely well
0: i will put that number in the show notes as well so for those that are listening um if it went by fast and you didn't pick it up just look in the show notes and they'll get that there um but to your point i think that's you just you brought up a really good point and i guess we're not even on topic yet but that's cool um you know i talk a lot roy second, sorry so i'll try and right, make not, it, you know, stay on how i right roll to you. <laughs> but that secondary um, that thing that you're talking about is so real. I mean, as uh, both my daughters are sexual assault survivors. And yeah. I'll tell you that as a father, I felt, in both of them, totally helpless. And you hear and see things in media, especially around masculinity. Oh, if anybody ever hurts my kid, I'm going to do. And it doesn't work like that. I didn't, I, I you know, I wasn't going to put myself in prison. I wasn't going to do, you know, instead I'm left behind trying to facilitate resources and services for my daughters but all the while feeling helpless, uh, powerless. I can't fix it. I can't mm-hmm. put a Band-Aid on this. I can't make it go away. And, you know, so I it, I have to carry on. I think your that's your point is that I have to carry around their hurt that
1: they, some of the hurt that they experienced. And, and what do I do with it? I talk to people. Yeah, no, And, and normalizing that, you know, I appreciate mm-hmm. you sharing that here and because I, I didn't know that about you. And I appreciate you sharing that yeah. um, because we, you know, we as people should, not be scared when we hear those stories, you know, we should be like, right. you know, and thinking about your experience, because, yeah, I mean, I have a, um, a five-year-old uh, and a, a one-and-a-half-year-old, you know, and think, oh, you have a daughter, you better get a shovel, you know, and a shotgun, and you're going to bear mm-hmm. him in the back. Like, that's not helpful, you know, but, like, nope. understand that, like, you know, you're, you're dealing with something that, you know, people don't really think about. They're like, oh, we're going to focus on how terrible it was for that, and they're like, it must be so hard for the parents, and it is, you know, mm-hmm. but, like, also... The, are the resources are the resources for men you know like all these things that you know yeah. like are not it's like well you know you, you don't need to do that just tough it out you know you're a man you figure it out you know or just like the fact that we just have to figure it out you know trying to like just normalize those conversations for people so um you know i, I just i really really do not like unnecessary suffering you know we are going to suffer. right Things are going to happen, but unnecessary uh, suffering is not something we need to have anywhere. And so, if we can like lessen that, let people know, hey, here's a number. You know, you're, you're struggling, just call. Maybe you'll feel silly, and we you won't need it. But at least you'll know you tried it versus just dealing with yourself. If I only know, I could go to therapy, and this probably would have helped me figure this out. You know, it's like, don't go to therapy. It's it's just a bunch of quacks, and you're telling you, da, da, da. right. Oh, wow. You can't see yeah. my, my hands right now. I just did a little like quack. You, know, <laughs> you, you did, the did the quack, yep. stuff. yeah. But you know, you know what I'm saying. And then, so yeah, absolutely. I, I, just, that's I really want to do. So,
0: well, that's awesome, Brent. And I mean, to your point, you said, uh, you know, you said something that I think uh, is going to lead us, I guess, right into the topic that we wanted to talk about today was, which was normalizing conversations. So, you know, there's some things around Black History Month that uh, you know I would love to ask and talk with you about. How does Black History Month uh, intersect with your role there in engaging men and specifically engaging men around topics of masculinity healthy unhealthy masculinity how does black history month fit into that
1: Ooh, okay so for me you know so black history Month is um it's a moment to really celebrate black people you know obviously people say oh, you know it's not you should be doing it all year round you know and then mm-hmm. I I believe that and agree with that um but this is a time to really be like you know let's really appreciate black people and, and the contributions because there, there are many and so like your question is like how does it intersect with like um, healthy masculinity right is that mm-hmm. what you're saying? yeah um yeah so for me um showing your know, healthy and unhealthy masculinity to me there's so many things, but it's really like the mental health piece, you know. And so, for um, showing images, so as take my experience. So I grew up here in Southeast Ohio. My parents were from Chicago. My entire family's from Chicago. So I would you know, go back and forth between the two. So I had the the country life and. When i say country i live in athens so it's not you know i'm in athens we know ohio it's you drive five minutes anywhere and you're in the country somewhere you know right, right. Um, but yeah so my experience here was you know there were not a lot of positive black uh role models in, in tv and media and stuff like that so i had my my parents my friends and my family friend and, and family friends a few of them but for the most part anything i saw on tv especially around masculinity was mm-hmm. very tough you know so so i'm 43 you know, so I'm an eighties, you know, kid who watched, you know, action movies. So there was, you know, let's see, Carl Weathers was Apollo Creed. So he's knocking the crap out of this, you know, Carl Weathers was in Predator. He was acting Mr. Jackson, T. Mr. T, you know, uh, who else? I mean, any all these images, all the sports stars were, you know, tougher than and tougher and bigger than life, did not show any emotion. So I grew up on that, mm-hmm. you know and i'm just like all right that's that's what it is that's what it means to be a black man you know then you know in the 90s we had you know hip-hop exploded and so you've got you know tupac and biggie and all the you know snoop dog and all this like you know gangster rap which i loved. you know absolutely still to this day love but you're pushing out and you, you can't be you got to be tough you got to do this you got to be a gangbanger um so you know flash forward to now um and we have different images of, of what it means to be a black man you know when mm-hmm. i was watching the um, it was called uh, Emergency. It's on uh, uh, Amazon Prime. It's It looked like it was going to be like a super bad, but with like two black kids in college because essentially the, the plot of the movie is two black kids are getting ready to graduate. They come home to their house and there is a white girl who's completely passed out from drinking on their floor in their house. And they're like, what do we do? Do we take her to the hospital? It's like, are you crazy, man? They're going to think we drugged her or something like that. And so they're like going back and forth trying to figure out what they do, trying to figure out who she is. And I thought it was going to be, like, this this huge, like, comedy. And it is a comedy, but it gets, like, very real with the police and all these things and yeah. stuff like that. But what I liked about it was there were two strong Black characters. One who was the very, like, you know, I'm here for school, super nerdy, uh, but also was very real. And then there was, like, the stereotypical, like, man, you ought to do school. And then, like, I got to see both of them. Because, you know, growing up, we had the Fresh Prince and then we had Carlton, you know. And then it was... Right. It was Fresh Prince, you know, Will Smith is, like, making fun of Carlton the whole time for being smart and all these things. And, like, these guys were very real. Like, this guy was a nerd and played video games and all this stuff. But, like, he was also, like, very realized. And he was black. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, a lot of things that I held. And so in Black History Month, trying to elevate those stories to allow masculinity to be more than what we see it as. You know, like, yeah, LeBron just, you know, scored the most points out of anybody ever. So he's being held up. And, and he's a he's a good person. But he's also a very strong, you know, person not everyone's going to be every black guy is not going to be lebron you know like like anime or you know uh have to cry because of whatever you know or have feelings you know uh live with their parents or whatever it is you know and they're going to feel less than and they need to have these role models and so i think black history month can allow people to um to see just different see themselves in those spaces you know in ways that that show up in different ways instead of all these tough guys you know that that don't have much to say about the black experience what it's like living in these spaces and so if we can like elevate these stories people can connect to different things you know like i just found out a black man invented the super soaker you know i was like holy crap that's amazing you know like <laughs> i know that you know and it's like what was this and then um another uh, thing because i posted it on my instagram once uh a black man invented um my gosh, i forgot his name he invented the video game cartridge so back in 19 i think it was 81 or something like that uh, video games didn't like you would buy a system and they would have all this the games in it so you buy a computer basically and then that yeah. was it you couldn't like take discs in and out and he's like this isn't working so he made the video game cartridge that allowed so every to, time like, I put my Atari cartridge into the exactly. machine that was him yeah exactly you know because before fantastic. you would just buy an Atari with like 50 games you know and could you imagine like late 70s early 80s a black man wanting to do computers and stuff like that like you, yeah. you know what's going on and he probably dealt with some stuff So so elevating that I think allows those people who are doing, you know, just, I mean, we've always existed this way. We just haven't had images in, in the media or just out in in public. And so black history month is the time to just elevate all that. So, because I do think when people see themselves um, in something, it validates them. It allows them to mm-hmm. be, you know, uh, Hey, it's okay. That person's like me, you know, but when you don't see yourself, you're like, well, you know, that's the mainstream. That's what I need to be like. And then you start feeling bad, you know, then you start yeah. when you start feeling bad or you don't, you don't see yourself you start doing stuff that you probably wouldn't do. If you don't have a trusted adult or therapy or something like that, you might misuse drugs, alcohol, you know, all the stuff we talk about, Yeah, you know, just a lot of unhealthy behaviors, you know, and that hurts everybody. It hurts your family. It hurts your friends. It hurts society. And so if we can like allow people to see themselves as who they are, then they'll probably be a little ha- happier. You know, they'll need less this work because of things though. They'll, they'll probably right. go in life. And, and so that's how I see black history month of just, and just sharing the truth of some of our realities of like, you know, some people are in situations because of, you know, the, what's not been shared with us and whatnot. So, you know, the, the deception right. or just the, the outright lies, you know, and whatnot.
0: And thank you, Brandon. I appreciate you sharing your experience. You know, I uh, representation is critical for people seeing what's possible for themselves. So, I mean, in thinking about representation then, um, how are you, how do you ensure that for your two rad kids uh, and no, we
1: got to talk about the rad for a second here. Why'd you use the word rad? I'm curious. Uh, I, I'm just a, you know, I'm a like I said kid of the '80s. I was born in '79, and you know that was the term. And I still use dude and rad. And but like, my kids are pretty awesome. I mean, they're rad. The work I do is for them. You know, like I, I, I really believe in that quote. What is it? Um, you know, be the person that you needed when you were younger. You know, mm-hmm. I really believe that. Trying to like, you know, open doors and just like present ideas that are because i really felt like a lot of adults like failed me when i was younger just as far as like you know especially around like you know healthy masculinity good lord you know just any (laughs) type of like you know therapy and stuff like that but um but yeah they're just they're amazing you know and i'm really excited to see like what they do they're going to do you know my daughter wrote down she's like i want to be uh what she say it was like i want to be a doctor an astronaut and a second grade teacher when i grow up i'm like okay she was you like in the bathtub of and rat them off i was like you can do them all go for it that's great yeah. you know like i'm happy for you and so uh but yeah i'm just really proud of them i just you know because they just they make they make me really happy just like the way even obviously the way i'm talking about right now it's just like yeah yeah you're blowing cool. dude yeah it's we're just awesome. rolling through and like you know one of the things the last thing i did with them um i don't know if you've seen the movie aliens with with sigourney weaver but you know mm-hmm. um the end of the movie there's like that giant uh walker that she gets in to fight the alien you know yeah and my daughter was like hey we want to she's like want to play robot so now she like stands on my feet and then we just walk around like i'm the walker <laughs> and so like i walk around the house pretending like we're in an aliens and she's just like guiding me around and so i'm just moving her hands and stuff and she just <laughs> go robot, robot oh my it's god like, i never thought i'd be doing something like that. <laughs> i never thought i'd be connecting with a movie that i love that obviously she's she's never seen it so i don't I listening. I'm not an associate. Have my daughter watch an R-rated movie. I was wondering. (laughs) We're not not there in that that (laughs) place. But me able to connect in that way, in a way that I never thought, you know, like I'm enjoying one of my favorite movies with her. She's enjoying time with her dad, you know, doing this robot thing. And it's like one of her favorite things to do. And it's just fun. And I'm going to do it until I can't. You know, obviously, when she gets too big, I can't be moving around on my feet. But, you know, that that to me is like what rad is, you know, things that, that you just... Bring you tons of joy and like when you tell other people like that's really cool you know so that's why I use that that term for yeah. for my kids. So. Well,
0: and I only ask because I, I, I'm I was born in '72 and yeah I grew up with that era when the, I think they had a movie called Rad um, about bicycles and
1: I remember. Yeah, when oh, I, yeah, yeah. First, I, uh... I, I didn't I didn't reference that, but when I hear the word rad, I didn't want to like out myself too much. <laughs> I knew when I was like maybe Roy knows about the movie Rad, but like the hell track, oh, yeah, you know, like, I remember that like it was yesterday. So yeah, right big, after watching DMX.
0: that, I went out jumped on my kuahara magician pro um yep. and you know went out bmx biking and you know doing a pogo and you know mm-hmm. all that stuff so i mean it was uh yeah so i was wondering if you were if that word yeah, had it, a connection it's, with you it's to definitely a through
1: line to that movie and that kind of you know gleam in the queue all that kind of yep. stuff like it just re- it just reminds me of like being young and being like that's rad you know yep. like that you know it's like that's super rad you know that guy just did like a 720 oh that's rad you know like that's how I feel about my kids and wanted to use those terms or whatever. Well, so. keep
0: those words alive. I do in my house, my kids, a lot, you know, when they were a lot younger, they would make fun of me with those words, but now they're starting to use them. Cause a lot of those words come back mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're like, dad, you were kind of cool before
1: you were not cool. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I was trying to tell you. No, that, that's, that's great. Roy. Yeah, no, definitely. Cause you know, something a lot of people don't realize, like, I don't know what's going on, but ABBA is back. You may not. No like, yeah. I mean, they, they never were bad, but like, you know, there was that time where people were like, oh, I don't want to hear dance queen. Yeah, they are back in a way that I've never seen. And so, yeah, like it's, it's, it's cyclical for sure. And so rad. Let's just push it out there and, and make it, you know, bring it back because it needs to be. How are you ensuring that your two kids
0: are getting or seeing representation, their faces in the world, not just movies, not just sports, but as teachers, as whatever. I mean,
1: yeah, how you doing? Yeah, you no, know, that, that's a great question. So um, so my my partner is white, and so we have these conversations a lot because I'm like, you know, so my both my parents are are black. Um, and so, you know, one of the experiences that I had um going up, so I went to Athens High School. One experience I had most of the kids there, it's it's in a school of like a thousand, I think there were probably like 20 kids of color or something like that. It was, it was a very, yeah. very much predominantly white space, and so um when I got older I thought most of the kids um knew the experience I was going through you know I most of my friends uh at Athens were white you know that's, that's how it was and so there's a few uh friends of color but like you know I thought they understood my experience and so once I got out I realized and re- it really was around um when the Black Lives Matter marches happened I realized a bunch of people have no idea about the experience I went through don't see me as a person of color don't understand like what I went through but also um just straight up don't agree with things that I think are like fundamental to my life, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, you know, but, oh, I don't know. I don't know about that brand. I'm like, and it was very, very hurtful, you know, so I mean, I've, I've had to just disassociate with a lot of people that I thought were, you know, not super, super great friends with people that I, you know, would consider friends, you know, and so yeah. Um, and so my fear for them is, you know, having a white parent um, as well that, you know, they'll go through the experience and, and integrate with all these other kids who are mostly white. And then, not have that experience of like you have because you know uh, my parents are from Chicago but most of my family is not alive anymore so we don't go to Chicago like we used to so you know I was going there you know two three times a year you know you go and we're on the south side of Chicago so you know it's all black people you know and so I'm having a good experience and so um, but you know most of uh, our living relatives are either older or or my my partner's uh, family who are white all white you know and so I've been like okay what are we going to do I can't change the teacher's you know there's like one person of color thing in the entire school district not helpful you know and mm-hmm. so uh, so making sure uh, i mean one thing i'll tell you we have to watch one uh one show of with people with majority people of color not just people coloring but a majority and so she's been watching the proud family um uh, i mean she was already watching like um uh moana and most of the disney stuff but like what she watches a lot of youtube kids and uh i don't know i mean you know your kids are old like you said Um, YouTube kids is just like a bunch of very well-off white kids. Like, it's like, look at me in my house. I have time to create, you know, they're, they're, they're able to create content because they're rich. And so it's this weird thing where they're not outwardly putting anything negative, but it is like very, it's very white. It's very classist because it's rich. And just like, you know, like they had an episode where they were, they were showing the difference between, uh, between rich prison and poor prison. And so I was like, what? Is going like within the rich prison they had like. Yeah, I'm curious know, to see know, what they. Yeah, yeah, where they were. are like, yes. this isn't this isn't content. I want my kids walking. You know, we, we don't right. joke about prison. You know, and stuff like that. So, um, but back, you know, connect to your your question, making sure that they're they're interacting with people of color. You know, in their lives and stuff like that. Because there's one thing to see. There's way more representation that they can connect with and you know, more, more positive role models. But you need to have people you can talk with. And so, like for mm-hmm. me um you know i do the anti-racism uh class at the high school so trying to make more spaces you know where these things are coming up like we're doing a middle school program um in two weeks uh where we're going to be talking about our experiences at athens and stuff and so making more uh, um conversations around that um uh, to build up some spaces where people can just be more honest about what's going on like i can't change uh athens ohio where we live but i can help maybe like change the mindset you know some of the people you know like it's going to be white people you know but if You know, if it's all white people and they're, but they're down with it, they're down with the cause, they're down with understanding, that's okay with me, you know, like, they're just white people who don't think there's an issue going on, Uh, and it's so, and people of color, I shouldn't just say it's white, but it's everybody who can deal with these issues. So, you know, being very intentional about what we're showing and having conversations, you know? So, um, you know, obviously uh, black history month came up, uh, and it was, uh, everyone's talking about MLK, you know? So then Parker comes home. She's like, it's my daughter. She's like, Oh, you know, like we learned about MLK and I'm like, well, what'd you learn? You know, like let's have this conversation. And she's like, well, you know, it's like typical fire road. Like he, he did a lot of good stuff. And then something bad happened to him and she didn't really want to talk about how he was shot and killed and seeing, cause that's something we haven't really built up to, but, yeah um, but then she also just asked questions like you know uh her best friend uh Nora is dark skinned uh very dark like much darker skin than I am and so like my daughter is like very light skin and so she's like so Nora has really dark skin and I have light skin and mommy has white skin and you, and, you know just talking about that now instead mm-hmm. of being like love everybody it's not a big deal like everybody does yeah, i don't see color blah, blah blah and just trying to be very intentional about that because i don't want my kids to have the experience of thinking that they're only white because they're both you know and then realizing that people will you know see them as black you know mm-hmm. you're, not, you're not fully white or you're just passing or whatever that that's going to be an experience that i didn't have you know and stuff like that and so i think you know this month is a time to really just show a lot of positive black uh images so they can latch on and then you know be become interested in that you know so then it's you know because that's the other thing in Athens there's not a lot of opportunities to become interested in something you know someone yeah there, Brandon when you're playing Nintendo in the 80s what if I told you the guy who made this cartridge was black it was you know it would probably change the trajectory of my life you know just on being aware of certain things uh maybe I would have done a history project on it you know in, in high school or something like that you know or just felt better about being a black kid in the 80s or 90s, playing video games—you know—that's yeah. not what we did. We were playing basketball. We were rapping. We were—you know—I just want to play video games at home, you know, and watch like anime. That's what I want to do. You know, I want to play Street Fighter and then turn on like Dragon Ball Z or something like that. You know, now that's cool. You know, thank yeah. God <laughs> we, we've gotten to this point. But back in the 80s, 90s, not so much. So yeah, really just being very intentional about what's being presented, taking them to things that that happened. But you know, Athens doesn't have a lot of stuff and i'm typically creating it so you know trying just trying to be very intentional about the, the stuff that they're consuming if i can so
0: yeah well two things i want to talk about in there that you said um one just briefly you know it was interesting when you said um you know that your daughter recognized that she was lighter skin. there was somebody that was darker skin. and her mother was white i one of the things i think that around this conversation that has really resonated with me a lot lately is this you know when we try not to look at other things in a binary system. We still look at this um skin tone color who we are as a binary system. Um, your daughter just recognized that there were multiple shades happening. Mm-hmm. We're a continuum um of tan, you know. Um, and where on the continuum we are has its own significance and meaning, but she's recognizing that her her role or, or experience in that continuum is different than her mother's and different than her friends.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, h- how do you identify Roy, if I can ask like, what's your, what's your background? Do you know, like your, you know, like where your family's from and stuff like that? Or. yeah, so I've done a lot of
0: family history searches. Um, we are um, very Eastern European hung- hungry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, so the, the reason I asked that, you know, and obviously there's a podcast, so anybody's listening, you can't see us, but like, yeah. you know, um so my family my dad's side of the family is extremely light skin like mm-hmm. you you're like a spitting image of my uncle mark and so it's like very really? interesting to see. yeah and so like your experience of like you know hungry and everything like that yeah like they when people talk about you know black people who pass um like every time he's got a shaved head just like you like i'm like is that that's not uncle mark you know like but <laughs> unless you're like an undercover police lieutenant in chicago who's working in you know cincinnati probably not yeah. but like but when you were talking about um the similarities so it's like you know you guys look alike but you have different backgrounds you know and mm-hmm. stuff like that so you would have this like you know be able to talk about what that's like the spaces you could enter and so like yeah i mean um they are you know my uncle mark all the way up through through me we're all black but we're having different experiences you know so we have the black experience yeah. but then you know many times same thing with my father he's he's a doctor you know, he would be in spaces where people were saying things about the black patient that came in, you know, thinking that he's right. white, you know, and so he's like, actually, I, I'm black, you know, this is my wife over here. And so like, um, so yeah, I, I just think that you know being able to talk about that's really it's like you're saying, like, there are similarities, you know, like like my uncle Mark and you uh would have similar experiences in certain spaces, you know, where people Thank are saying know? this, you know, and then like um and so i think talking more about that is great you know to be like oh well that's different okay what what's what does that mean oh it just means they have different skin color you know what, maybe have a different experience in these spaces or something like that yeah. you know i mean we don't have all day to talk about but you know like colorism is a real thing like there's a reason that you know lighter skinned black people get in these spaces before like dark skinned black people you right. know it, absolutely you know, so, um people are like oh you're know, the most beautiful person i was like and she is <laughs> like i'm not gonna <laughs> doubt that but there's also, there's an aesthetic there, and so whenever you know a, a very dark-skinned black person is this successful, that like that's a win. That's a win against the system. I mean, that's right. that's racism that happens within just the black community, or stuff like that. So, oh, I mean, so anyway, I I um I just want to highlight what you, what you said there because I think that's really important of, of seeing that continuum and then like really understanding like. how does it show up and how do people how does it Mm -hmm. show up in people's lives daily lives and stuff like that so
0: absolutely well then the other thing i want to talk about just because this is something that really interests me um this is i I will say uh as a child this was really my only exposure my awareness of black culture um Mm -hmm. when i was a kid um, my mom was really into jazz she loved jazz music and she also loved um the arts Uh, So that was one thing as a kid. I was very into poetry. I mean, I still write poetry all the time. I love poetry. Um, And I love music. And some of my, you know, and I made some notes here, but some of the things that I'm wondering, um, what influence, considering you're a DJ, and you've already shared a little bit of your music tastes and stuff, what influence, if any, did... um, the Harlem Renaissance have for you in your music or in your exposure and maybe what you're using to expose your kids into representation. Cause I know for me as a kid, uh, Louis Armstrong cab Calloway um, chick Webb, Billy holiday, Duke Ellington. These were people that like, I listened to their music every day. Um, Mm -hmm. And you know, it was the kind of stuff that I really associated um, how I listened to music. And then Claude McKay was a poet um, and now I was first introduced to Claude McKay uh, through um, his uh, poetry collection, Spring in New Hampshire. And that was very, very benign. You couldn't tell one way or another if he was black or white or Irish or German or whatever in there. But then um, after I read more Claude McKay, I came across one of his poems that um, and this was when I was a kid, uh, If We Must Die. And one of the things I really liked about that poem when I was a kid, I was really interested in poems like Charge of the Light Brigade, Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night, um, and Oh, Captain, My Captain. Poems that were about a fight, a struggle, an inner struggle, like through Dylan Thomas's um, uh, Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that poem, but Rage, Rage Against the Dying of the Light. I know part of it, but yeah, I don't, yeah. so Yeah, and then um, in this, in... um, and this poem, uh, If We Must Die, it's it's about the struggle in Harlem, fighting against white uh, racism, um, discrimination. And the last two lines, I remember as a kid, it's when I read this, it said, like men will face the murderous cowardly pack, pressed to the wall dying, but fighting back. And I just, I, I was really moved by that as a kid, that there were people in my world in my life that we existed in, in this time, not in some history book, but in this time that were living the life that I was reading in these poems about mm-hmm. fighting, about raging against a system. And I just thought to myself, who are these people? Where are they? And why are they, why does this happen to them? This mm-hmm. should be, this should be over. So I wonder, does the, did the Renaissance Harlem Renaissance poetry, music of that era influence your life at all?
1: um well definitely yeah definitely influenced my life um you know obviously it allows me to do the so the music that i'm doing you know because they yeah. came out and, and so I, I will say when i was younger i was not as uh well versed in the harlem renaissance you know i, I don't know if i had heard about it until because i don't think we talked about it much. we probably did talk about it. we didn't talk about it very extensively um i will say my family 100 in the jazz um i went the other way so the people said oh when you get older you're getting into jazz and 43, it hasn't happened. I feel like it's not gonna happen. So not a knock on jazz. It's like an acquired my, taste. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's that was that was the music in my house. Cause I remember going to school and the kids are like, well, We're listening to you know, uh, the Beatles are the best band ever. And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. We don't listen to that in my house. And it's like jazz, you know, so it's always this weird dichotomy. But um, but yeah, like um uh, things like the Harlem Renaissance and just like great black thinkers, like, you know, you're talking about like, you know, these people, it feels like it was like forever ago you know but like the reality is it's not you know like um i just learned this um uh my grandpa uh so from chicago uh emmett till you know who, who was murdered down south yeah. He uh, my grandpa went to his funeral like it was in chicago like wow. you know that that's how now he's, he's not alive anymore but like that's how close all these things are you know right. so like some of these people you know are still alive some of the kids who were in that that era are still alive and so that 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 magic is still out there if that makes sense or whatever yeah. and so like for me um i've almost had this kind of like you know resurgence and so like when the pandemic had started you know um i wasn't actually working at saop i was i was just djing so i was on twitch doing streams um and raising money for like um uh the equal justice initiative and then like the anti-racism book clubs i do it uh, i was flashing images of, of just important black people you know like yeah. one of the things i realized is i have this space most of my audience is white in this area so i was like here's a bunch of people i like so i like we had like a hundred you know samuel jackson lauren hill uh method man just all these people that i really enjoy because i think seeing those those images is powerful i mean like oh that's right you know these people are here and so like um but yeah like you know like you're talking about the poetry um you know one of the things um i've been reading james baldwin a little bit more recently and i know he was part of that but like you know Mm -hmm. stories like that Encapsulate that struggle, you know, and, and understanding like just how hard it is. You know, I I, I remember my grandpa talking about this. He was in um, uh, World War II, um, and so like so his uh his ship was bombed uh, in the Pacific or whatever. But anyway, um he he was, he was like I hate the Red Cross. My mom would tell me this. I'm like, what do you? Who hates the Red <laughs> Cross? What are you talking <laughs> about? Um, but he explained. He's like, when we when they went overseas, they were in uh, the train, and so the black soldiers had to sit in the back and the red cross would come and they would bring cigarettes to all you know they would sell cigarettes to all the soldiers but they wouldn't sell them to black soldiers so like imagine you were fighting you know he so he left you know right when after high school went to the, to the military to fight for his country you know yeah. you were risking your life you know people are getting blown up everything like that and all you right. want is a cigarette just to calm your nerves. no nah, and we know it's not healthy Yada, yada we get into that but you know you're in war whatever you want what you want and, right, yeah, they're, they're not going to sell it to you like that is me- and this is like an amazing organization apparently you know that has hopefully changed a little bit. um so the stories you're talking about from the Harlem Renaissance the poetry and stuff like that speaks to that you know and then and the, my grandfather's experiences is, is after the Harlem Renaissance so it was even worse during their time um but I I think there's a way and that's something that I think black people are amazing with of, of really being able to convey the the struggle and the, and the strife, uh, but also like the perseverance and the success through, through music and through word. Um, I mean, there's Black Girl Magic, Black Boy Magic. I mean, it's it's a real thing. Black mm-hmm. people are Magic, you know, like we do things, um, you know, I think about this, you know, a lot, like with everything that's happened, you know, like why haven't we just taken the country? We as a Black people just taken the country and just burned it to the ground. Right. we're not we love this country you know like and that's mm-hmm. what i think the renaissance and, and all these things are speak about you know there's this joy that we have even with everybody just you're saying you're worse than you can't do you can't work here you're not as smart as this person we can't pay you this you know and yeah. so um you know for me with my music just try to like bring out some of the sometimes i'll play these quotes um i've been playing a lot more uh 70s sometimes like, like or late 60s 70s and early 80s like funk and disco like oh yeah just because, a, it's funky as all get out you know and like i i didn't i didn't know about it and when i was younger because i didn't have access to it. my parents were another jazz and a little bit of current stuff but not a lot you know now that you have spotify and youtube i can listen to anything and so i'm discovering but oh, you
0: you've got to be listening to double dutch bus
1: that's like that's oh, my yeah, favorite exactly. song growing up yeah roller yeah.
0: skating to double dutch bus was the best
1: Yep, yeah, double Dutch bus, you know, roll skate bounce, like yep. all these like songs that just en- encapsulate this time of just joy. That you know, even with you know what's going on in these times, you know, which was you know, any the joke is like you know, people were uh, joking about you know, um, white people wanting to go back in time and see what's going on. Black people are like, no, I'm good. You know, any time from now before it's not gonna be any better than this right now. You know, and that's a thing people don't think about. You know, back to the yeah. Days, yeah back to 1958 it's like not me you know you know it's not. <laughs> yeah. no thing, you. know, but like people don't think about those things and um so anyway i i really uh, uh appreciate just great black thought and thinkers like that like you're talking about from the like around sense because like they put into words the emotion uh and so a a, a writer that, that i've really enjoyed is claudia rankin she wrote uh citizen which is it's less talking about the experience it's 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 one of the first times I read a book that's um really how do I explain this touch the feeling of what it's like to be black versus like explaining um you know what happens to people of color you know there's a lot of books like and this happens like it's very much like it's 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 some of its poetry some of it that it's not linear the way it's written but it really like you know really helping one of the things she talks about is you know she she puts herself in uh, and this might be her own experience. I'm not sure. But, you know, a woman goes to um, knock on the door. She's knocking on the front door. Um, and she's like, you know, a 60-year-old white woman with glasses comes around the door and yells scolds me for, you know, knocking on the door and says, you need to come around. It's like, what are you doing here? And I say, oh, I'm I'm here to meet Dr. Smith or whatever. And it's yeah. like, oh, we realize this is my therapist and I'm here for my therapy appointment. You know, now she, this, you know, this black woman has to go and have therapy with a counselor who literally was pretty much being racist to her, you know, and that's an experience that I think a lot of people don't think about, you know, even when we talk about therapy, you know, being able to have a counselor that's the same race as you, you know, like people say, Oh, well, it's just therapy is therapy. That's not true. You know? So anyway, I I I think like a lot of black thinkers, like you're talking about from the the Harlem Renaissance touch on those nuances and allow others Mm like you and me to you know, like you said, you, you heard these stories and these poetry and it caused you to to, to be a poet, you know, and then mm-hmm. like now you're probably sharing experiences you had and then it just conti- continues on and, on and on and on. And then, you know, it makes the world better, you know, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. makes a ton of sense. Well, I'm gonna I wanna put that book in uh cause I, I know that you're from your biography, uh you are uh you run or facilitate a anti-racist book club. Is that a book that you would recommend people read? Yes, definitely. I'm gonna. I'll put it in the chat for you right now. Uh, Excellent. Well, then I'll put that. Um, Claudia Rankin, Citizen Cool. Uh, Then I'm gonna put that in the show notes as well. Um, Brandon, very
1: very short and and it comes as an audiobook. I think I read it in like a day. Like it's like 110 pages, and then like you just piqued my interest now because if it's a if it's a 400 page book, uh, Brandon, I don't know, man. you're, (laughs) You're talking to the guy who reading like but it, it's like a it's a quick read it's like you know it'll pick one like put it this way one side of the page will have a full page picture of something and the other one will have like three lines of prose and then it'll flip over to the next page and you know it, it's like oh. not a full text thing like that so it's very it's, it's accessible and each section uh can be read on its own so it's not like if I didn't read this you can pick up and put it down whenever you need it's, it's a bunch of vignettes and uh, different situations and whatnot so definitely check really? it out I, I, so. yeah,
0: I will put that in the show notes. And um, yeah, I just want to thank you. I mean, is there anything else you want to highlight? I mean, I want to give you that space as well. I mean, I've been asking you a lot of questions. Um, um,
1: no, I mean, I, I think, you know, um, I always want to plug the need for for people to have discussions around healthy, healthy, masculine, I really think that's the key to all this. Um, mm-hmm. you know, for me, oh, my phone just went off the uh, for me, most of our problem, you know, Men are in most of the men make up most of the systems or making most of the decisions and they are walking around like, you know, they're our age or older, you know, and they don't have the tools to to properly manage their emotions and whatnot. And so so we get racism, sexism, classism, you know, homophobia, whatever horrible thing. And if you know, people were able to talk about the harm that they were doing, especially men, um, Mm -hmm you would get you know because the system's going to continue to push men into these systems you know and they're, yeah. they're still going to feel equipped and so if we can have more conversations around what it means to be a man and be able to be a man is to care about other people in order to care about people you can't be racist you can't be so you know like you can't be mm-hmm. abusive and all these things then we're going to get these men in these situations who also realize that they shouldn't just be the only ones in that situation so they want to bring other people who are different from them and value diversity and whatnot and so i yeah. think that i still think that's like the trojan horse of getting all these other things masculinity yeah. okay exactly yeah. you say you say crt oh we can't do that you know that, that's just going to make white people feel bad but if you say i want to help young white boys fulfill their potential people are yeah of course yeah so <laughs> how do we do that oh we, we, we have to talk about their feelings because we do you know like they're hurting themselves they are yeah. they're hurting I don't want to make it sound like, you know, it's, it's just black people. You know, white boys are hurting. It, it, it feels a certain way to say, hey, you're the problem. You know, when mm-hmm. someone says you're the problem, you know, it's like, I didn't do anything. It's like, you're right. You know, you didn't do anything. You're benefiting from something. But, you know, we need to be able to make sure we are preparing them to talk about that. So they don't end right. up just getting older and then being like, you know what? The world said I was terrible. I'm going to be terrible to them because that's what we're seeing right now. You know, so mm-hmm. that, that, I just really think anybody who wants to engage in that work. Or if you hear this term for the first time, I know if you listen to Roy's podcast, it's not the first time you've heard healthy and unhealthy <laughs> masculinity, but, uh, but yeah, if that's something you're interested in, you know, find out what your, your area is doing, see how you can be part of it, you know, or if, if you think you, you know, of positive, uh, you know, male uh, role models, get them involved in this work. You know, I, I, a lot of men that I know um, that are seen as great don't have the tools, I think, to share what it means to be healthy and unhealthy masculinity. You know, like right, they, we, they've just gotten in that position because they're not as bad as the worst, you know. And so, then exactly, like, oh, this yeah, this is pretty good, you know. And so, um, so I think the more conversation we have and just open up about what it's like to not have the tools given to you. You know, a lot of people are really upset about the younger generation having access, not having access, but embracing therapy. They're all. Like, mm-hmm. oh, and stuff, and so why, why does that show up so many times in conversations? You know, I, mean, I, I wish my parents would go to therapy, save my life. You know, then they're <laughs> like, "Oh, we're fine." I'm like, "Okay, do whatever you got to do." You know, like if every black family went to therapy, it would probably be much better for everybody. But that—that's just my two cents. I really think c- talking about that in in more of a, a concrete way will help a lot of people because it'll touch so many more groups and start so many more conversations that will then allow us to just be healthier as a community. So.
0: Well, Brandon, that's—I I, mean—that's a perfect place to end this because, uh, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. It's about having conversations, normalizing conversations, um, and thank you, Brandon, for helping me um, today in normalizing the conversation on Black History Month. What does that mean for people? What was your personal experience with it? Um, so,
1: thank you so much, Brandon. I really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, Roy. This is awesome. You know, and anytime you need a conversation, you know, I can talk. I really appreciate that, and and stay rad.